0: Hey everyone, Matt Straub here, Welcome you to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. It is the very end of July. The MLB trade deadline is almost here. This episode's dropping on July 30th. The deadline, of course, July 31st. We already have a couple trades to discuss, plus some recent significant fantasy baseball trends, and George Bissell is here with me today. George, let's start with a pre-deadline trade. The Mets, of all people, getting Marcus Stroman from the Blue Jays. Stroman has a 2.96 ERA, 1.23 whip, 99 strikeouts, in 124 and two-thirds innings this season. A little strange that the Mets got him. There's a lot to say about that. But in terms of fantasy relevance, I mean, this feels a little bit like a lateral move to me and one that isn't necessarily going to really uh, affect his numbers a ton. Do you want to make a case... Aside from that?
1: Yeah, so there are two factors at play here with Stroman. I think, one, the shift to the National League is obviously beneficial. Moving out of the American League East and some of those ban boxes is going to help him. He's been good from a run prevention standpoint. He's allowed three earned runs or fewer in seven consecutive starts, dating back to mid-June. So there's a lot of things to like in his profile, but the variable that I worry about, and this is something that uh, Rob Silver, one of my my good friends on Twitter, uh, writer at Baseball Prospectus, talked about. You now he's a guy with a you know close to sixty percent ground ball rate. He doesn't right. strike out a ton of guys, and the Mets are not a good defensive team. I don't know how much <laughs> fantasy owners out there have watched the Mets defensively, but they've had some problems defensively so this doesn't feel like a good mix between his skills and the Mets defense and I think that could be problematic for him that could lead to a little bit of inflation in the run prevention department so maybe that is offset by the switch over to the, to the senior circuit but I'm a little bit concerned I just don't think this is a great fit for the Mets uh as good as Marcus Stroman is as much as I like him I, I'm a little bit concerned about it
0: yeah I think I think you summed it up well though it, you know the benefits of moving out of the AL East uh, could could be offset by that Mets infield defense, but I don't know if we're going to see a dramatic difference either way for Stroman. Another trade that the Blue Jays made was dealing Eric Sogard to Tampa Bay. Uh, Sogard's having a decent, uh, pretty actually pretty valuable season in a lot of ways and does have some deep league relevance. We'll talk about that in a second. However, what I want to talk about first is this opens up a spot for Bo Bouchette, who is going to get a look for the Blue Jays. He is hitting 290 with eight home runs, 16 steals between AA and AAA in just 59 games, missed some time with an injury. He's, as of this conversation, 27% rostered in Yahoo leagues. George, how confident are you that Bouchette could be a bona fide asset in shallower mixed leagues?
1: I won't go as far as I, I would have with a guy like Heston Hira, someone we've talked a lot about on the podcast and over at Roto. Do you World. want to
0: talk about you want to talk about Hira some more right now? I'm always <laughs> down to talk about Hira. <laughs> it's
1: a, it's a similar skill set. It's not a perfect match. I think there's a little more speed upside with a guy like Bichette, and I think there's going to be a little bit of a longer adjustment period with Bichette than a guy like Hira. Uh, but the skills are similar in terms of power speed package. I think that gives him a reasonably high fantasy floor. I think it insulates against the risk of a total collapse where you know he's hitting a buck 90 and he's not doing anything for you from a fantasy standpoint so i think he can contribute over a wide array of categories and i think that does give him some mixed lead relevance right now obviously there's going to be an everyday opportunity with sogard out of the picture and he's going to take over it looks like it's shortstop with freddy galvis moving over to second base not a huge strikeout rate you know around 20 percent. pretty good plate skills I like the profile. There is a bit of pop there He had eight home runs in 56 games at A this year. So look, I think he's a guy who can challenge for double digits uh, in terms of home runs over the remainder of the season. I think he could get to about 10 home runs, maybe still 10 bases. So that's a guy you want to own in deeper mixed leagues. I don't think he's a superstar, but you know, we've said that about guys with, with lesser skill sets before who have gone on to really evolve into massive fantasy assets. So there, there's a lot to like in his profile. He's certainly interesting.
0: So if you are playing in a shallow league and he's sitting out there, is he a guy that you pretty much are just going to add and at least put on your bench and see what happens?
1: Yeah, I mean, if we were picking up Brendan Rodgers earlier in the year, I don't see why you wouldn't stash someone like Bichette. I think he's certainly a guy, if I'm in a you know 12-team mixed league and I have an empty bench spot, yeah, I'm I'm definitely thinking about it.
0: Yeah, that number, as I said, 27% as we're talking right now, but I'm imagining that's going to be a lot closer to 50 relatively soon. Uh, let's talk about Sogard for, for one moment here as we talk about deeper league options. He was having a nice season with 300 average, 10 homers, 6 steals. It feels like that value is probably about to fade away now that he's in Tampa Bay, a team with you know a, a lot of lineup options. Seems like Sogard just takes a massive hit for anyone who has him in a deeper league, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And this is actually funny because I speculated about this in one of my daily doses last week at Roto World. I said, you know, the Rays have been dealing with a rash of injuries at the corner infield spots, and I kind of just threw it out there. You know, a guy they may want to go get is like a short-term fill-in that could work is Eric Sogard, and <laughs> it turns out that's ironically exactly what they've done. They're expecting to get Yandy Diaz back at some point in the next couple of weeks. They have uh, Matt Duffy filling in right now at the hot corner. Mike Brousseau has played a lot. So they have some internal options, but it's a crowded situation, and I don't think Sogard's going to play every day. This is a valuable guy for the Rays, but in terms of fantasy, uh, I think he's pretty much droppable outside of AL only right now.
0: If this trade deadline is anywhere close to as exciting as we'd like it to be, Eric Sogard is not a guy we will be talking about a couple days from now as one of the more significant trades. Uh, And with that in mind, you know, there's obviously going to be, we assume, many more trades before the deadline between the release of this podcast and the deadline. So keep it tuned to the Roto World Player news page. Noah Syndergaard, of course, one name who's in a ton of rumors. His Twitter bio says he's a New York Met for now. Uh, A few other fantasy trends to hit, uh, non-trade related. Jose Ramirez has obviously been a massive bust for much of the season as a first-round fantasy pick who has not been getting it done. But we always kind of knew it might be a matter of when he could turn it on, not if. Uh, He is now hitting 344th, nine home runs, and four steals over his last 22 games heading into Monday. George, is this as simple as—my first question for you—is this as simple as Ramirez as we know him, first-round fantasy stud, is back?
1: Yeah, uh, look, this is why you bet on the skills, and this is what made it so puzzling that his basically his skill set had evaporated virtually overnight with with no noticeable signs of decline. So I, I think he's made some adjustments, and this is why you bet on superstars being superstars. This is what they do. They're able to turn it on and
0: return to form. All right, so he now has 14 home runs and 22 steals on the season. To me, this feels like a glaring, just massive reminder, and, and I think for some fantasy owners are feeling this like, is there ever a point when you can consider selling low in fantasy baseball on a stud like this? Like it, it just to me feels like a reminder of just how dangerous that is. Well, if you're selling low because you're frustrated,
1: that's, I think, a mistake. What made Ramirez such a tantalizing buy-low opportunity from a redraft standpoint was the fact that he's still in his prime and he had a track record of multiple years of, of hitting at an elite level or turning first-round fantasy value. That's the type of guy you bet on the skills. If he were five years older, let's say in his early 30s, I don't think he would have been as, as attractive of a trade candidate. and Maybe you could have reasonably cut bait on him because there would have been some signs of decline. It would have made sense based on the aging curve. But This is a guy who's squarely in the prime of his career, who was an MVP candidate last year and the year before that. So that's the type of guy you you bet on rebounding because all it took was one adjustment for him. We started to see it with his swing. He's hitting a lot more line drives, really driving the ball to right field, homering in four straight games in that series against the Royals over the weekend. There's a lot of things to like about Jose Ramirez, and and the buy-low window is obviously closed now, but uh, this is why you bet on talent and fantasy.
0: Now you mentioned it being a mistake to sell low out of frustration George. I write about fantasy sports for at least part of my job and I sell low out of frustration all the time <laughs> in fantasy leagues. <laughs> and I mean I know better, but so I think it, it, you know it had to have happened a ton with Ramirez I would think in fantasy leagues across the nation this year. Yeah. I traded for him in a bunch of spots and not to brag
1: or anything but like this was seemed to me like an obvious buy a low candidate if there ever was one just in, in terms of redraft. It, it, he was an elite player and it felt like only a matter of time before somebody got into a room with him and said, Hey, look, you, you got to start in line drive. Stop trying to hit the ball over the fence every time.
0: And that's basically what happened. And now suddenly, you know, he's got a, a realistic shot at something like 25 plus homers and 35 plus steals after all those struggles, if not more than that. From one dynamic power speed threat to another, George, let's talk about Nico Goodrum for a second. He hit his 10th homer of the season over the weekend. He also has 11 steals. So for the season, he's hitting just two fifty two with those 10 homers and 11 steals. But in July, he is hitting three sixteen with four home runs and four stolen bases. Rostered in... T- 24% of Yahoo leagues obviously has eligibility in a bunch of positions, including middle infield. Is he at all an intriguing name for you right now in fantasy?
1: Uh, given our conversations <laughs> off, off Mike, uh, I think, you know, where I'm going to go with this. Look.
0: I already know the answer to this, but yeah. people at home don't <laughs> look, I,
1: I'm not Mr. Sunshine on a lot of players. It's just not how I operate. And Goodrum's one of those guys where I think if you're in a 15 team league, he has second base eligibility. I think he's obviously a valuable Player, you can use your middle infield spot or or utility spot in a a deeper, deeper format. But uh, as far as like standard mixed leagues go, 12 teams are. are or in that range, I don't have a ton of interest in him. He strikes out close to thirty percent of the time. His on-base percentage isn't great. There's some skills here. Obviously, any guy who's going to hit twenty home runs and steal twenty bases is valuable. But we've seen this before, where guys can hit those numbers. You know, one last year was um, Ian Desmond. I think had a twenty twenty campaign. He wasn't an incredibly valuable fantasy commodity. Tim Anderson has had some seasons like this in the past where he's he's put up similar type numbers that just haven't been all that relevant. So the skills are intriguing, but he's already twenty seven, and I just don't see a lot here moving forward. I think this is about as good as it gets. Like I, I don't unless the plate skills are going to dramatically
0: improve, he's not going to get better. And the other thing is, I mean, that streak I mentioned three sixteen with four home runs and four stolen bases in July is nice, but you can't pick him up and expect. To get that for the next month it's possible you pick him up and then he just struggles for the next month that, yeah. that could just be an isolated hot streak that we've already missed
1: yeah chasing stats is one of the traps that we fall into i think is a fantasy industry because we're writing about who's performing well so we're obviously you write about those guys and you're just chasing the stats they just produced and sometimes they fall off and, <laughs> and you end up with nothing so yeah that's right. a that's a pretty common thing and uh you have to be aware of it when you're you're speculating on guys off the waiver wire absolutely
0: Right, like it's you have to chase stats, but you also have to, you know, realize that it may not work out basically. <laughs> yeah, this was
1: the thing with Whit Merrifield a few years ago. It was you know, when he first came up and was hitting, it was like, "Oh, you're just chasing stats if you're picking up Whit Merrifield." And then he stuck around. So, there are exceptions to every rule, but oftentimes waiver wire claims, you've probably already missed the best that a
0: guy's going to produce all year. All right, the Reds have activated Alex Wood. He had been out all season with a back injury. Two earned runs and four and two thirds innings in his debut last year for the Dodgers, a 3.68 ERA, 1.21 WHIP, and 151 strikeouts in 151 and two thirds innings. You were not excited about Goodrum, are you excited about Alex Wood? I know the answer to this one also. <laughs> um, not really. It's a bad
1: fit between his skills and the park. I don't see this working out really for the Reds. If you're in a once again, if you're in a deeper league, like it's worth it to throw a dart at a guy like this because of the track record. But uh, given mm-hmm. the injury history, the struggles he's had this year, I just, I don't see a lot of upside here. I mean, there are a couple other guys that, that I, frankly, I would rather be targeting. One of them is Asher Wojciechowski, who I kind of poured some cold water on in the last couple of weeks, but the more I watch of him, the more impressed I am. He has 37 strikeouts and 30 innings over uh, five starts this season. And he's had at least six strikeouts in all five of those starts. So when I look at starting pitchers, I look for strikeouts and... Right now, he's doing that, and I think that gives him a pretty high fantasy floor moving forward. Uh, It's not going to be a great ERA. I'd expect an ERA closer to four the rest of the way, but I think he's a guy where the Orioles are terrible, and they have no reason to hold him back. So he's going to go deep into games, and he's going to strike people out. And That's a guy you want in in the current fantasy landscape. And the other one is uh, Eliezer Hernandez, who's uh, back into the starting rotation for the Marlins. I hope they keep him there. I've been really impressed by him so far this season. He went four innings in his first start back in the rotation. They're kind of stretching him back out. Uh, 41 strikeouts only 12 walks and 38 and a third innings really good numbers at the minor league level so if you can strike out over a batter per inning with decent command and you know he's got to cut back on the home runs he's allowed this year but if you're not looking at the ERA I think the skills are good and I think he's sneaky good in that park in Miami. that's a great pitchers park so I like Wokowski and Hernandez over a guy probably like wood if you're looking in deeper format.
0: George Bissell mining for value of these Marlins and Orioles pitchers. Hernandez. Someone rostered. has to
1: eat those innings. I'm telling you, that's where <laughs> leagues are won and lost. To guys like that.
0: Well, Hernandez rostered in just three percent of Yahoo leagues. Wojciechowski, the 30 year old, rostered in 20 percent of leagues. We talk about chasing stats. His last three starts: 23 strikeouts, three walks in 19 two thirds innings, huh. a 2.29 ERA over that stretch. So he is balling right now, no question about it. You know, Orioles pitchers are weird and scary, but it's definitely an intriguing option, if nothing else. Yeah, he's 30, so there's
1: there's no no saving him. There's no innings limit. Go out there and try and blow people away, and that's what he's doing. So give him a lot of credit. The only thing I worry about with Hernandez is the chance they move him out of the rotation when they get a guy like Pablo Lopez back, and they just have a ton of arms. So he's less secure. I think Wojciechowski is a guy I definitely want to go get.
0: All right, well, we're not leaving Miami yet. In fact, we're sticking around here for a minute. We want to talk about Jordan Yamamoto uh, for a second here. We talked about him last week, and we talked specifically about giving him a pass after he got hit hard by the Dodgers. However, over the weekend, he gave up six earned runs in four innings against the Diamondbacks. His ERA has now more than doubled from 159 to 364 over the last couple of weeks. George, are you starting to bail on Yamamoto? Were you in on him as a fantasy option in the first place? Where do you land at this point?
1: I don't think I was ever in in the first place, but that had more to do with the strikeout numbers than anything. We, we've seen his strikeout rate decline pretty precipitously over the last couple of weeks. Since the All-Star break, he hasn't had a, a start in which he struck out more than four guys. Now, that's also almost a batter per inning because he's only gone... <laughs> four innings twice and five innings once so that's still okay but if he's not going deep into starts he's not racking up a ton of strikeouts uh, and he's giving up runs he's not doing a lot for you fantasy wise so yeah i think i would pivot towards maybe some other options in deeper formats you know the interesting thing with the marlins is their bullpen i don't know if we're going to get to it here but you know they have a lot of moving parts right now the trade that line i <laughs> they're, they're gonna be one of the teams that i think the role shift the most over the next couple of days
0: yeah, uh, Yamamoto was uh, nearly 60% roster in Yahoo Leagues. That number is down below 50 at this point. So people are starting to bail on him as a fantasy option. Sergio Romo, as you just alluded to, George, has been dealt to the Minnesota Twins. Nick Anderson is a candidate to take over as the Marlins' closer, assuming he's not dealt as well. He has some intriguing numbers, especially in strikeouts. He has a 395 ERA, a 1.29 whip. But 68 strikeouts in and 43 and a third innings as of this recording. 20% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. Are you running to add Anderson? Walking to add Anderson? Uh, where are you on this Marlins bullpen?
1: I am slowly meandering towards the Nick Anderson pickup. <laughs> now, if, if you wanted him, he's already gone. I think he's already been picked up in competitive leagues where, you know, it's a deeper league. If it's 15 teams or more, he's probably gone at this point because it was the obvious play. It got reported that way. I know we reported on that. at Roto world about, you know, Anderson potentially looks like the guy taking over uh, for Romo. And look, these teams that are out of contention, they still do get save opportunities. So yeah, Anderson's a guy who will have value. He didn't look great on Sunday against the Diamondbacks. He came in, he actually pitched the eighth inning, and he walked two guys, gave up a hit, loaded the bases, managed to get out of the inning unscathed. And That'll happen when you're striking out 14 guys per nine. You will be able to get out of jams, but this feels very Kyle Bearclaw-ish to me, and that's (laughs) no knock on Anderson or Bearclaw. I loved Kyle Bearclaw a couple years ago, but... I don't know. <laughs> he gives me, he's hes a little bit concerning to me. Arlen Garcia worked the ninth yesterday with a four run lead on Sunday. So I, I don't know. This one feels like they could spread the opportunities around. So I like Anderson skills wise, but uh, mm. <laughs> I'm a little bit concerned. I, I don't know. I don't feel like this is a slam dunk that he's definitely getting the shot.
0: But that's the guy you would pick up if you're speculating on this Marlins bullpen.
1: Yep. I don't like it, but that's the guy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One more bonus topic. Joey Gallo is out for a month or more with a broken wrist. Willie Calhoun has four RBIs in his last three games, including a home run, rostered in just 7% of Yahoo leagues. So this is something for owners in deeper leagues, maybe. How interested are you in Calhoun at this point? Obviously, he's a name that has kind of come up a bunch of times over the course of the season you know, shuttling back and forth, etc. Are you interested at all this time around in Calhoun? I think I've always been on
1: Willie Calhoun ever since the Dodger days. Uh, this is a guy who's not a big guy, but he generates a ton of power. This is basically like the Jose Ramirez starter kit without the speed. So I think there's a lot to like. I, I don't really understand the reluctance by the Rangers to – yeah I not give him an everyday role I like I don't understand the decisions they've made but ever since they started rumbling about sending guys down Nomar mazar has started to hit Rudan Odor has started to hit Willie Calhoun's come back up and he's been magnificent so I think they've kind of lit a fire under these guys and obviously the Joey Gallo injury hurts that's a crushing blow because he was having a fantastic season it looked like this could have been sort of the peak gallo season that we'd all been waiting for where he really puts it all together and calhoun i like i think he's a four category contributor who's who, who will matter in deeper mix leagues uh don't expect any speed but he could put the ball over the fence he really hits and i think the batting average is legit too he's batting 283 right now i think he's i think he's at worst a 260 270 hitter like i think i feel like the floor is pretty high there as well
0: So, obviously, it's a high bar to clear to be an outfield pickup this season in a fantasy league, but owners in deeper leagues, at the very least, should strongly consider Calhoun, who, as I said, 7% rostered in Yahoo leagues. That is about it for this pre-deadline edition of the podcast. A ton more to talk about in the coming days. Keep it tuned to the Roto-World Player news page for all the updates you will need leading up to and beyond the trade deadline. If you want to follow us on Twitter, he is at George Bissell. I am at Matt Straub. And take a moment to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Please rate and review the show as well. Thank you, everyone, for listening. George, thank you for taking the time. We'll talk to you soon. Happy trade deadline, everybody. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards.